plans we made all seem to okay. We never did anything that we said. And I hate this television and we're always on our phones and I've never once been homesick cause I'm always picking home. Little Crimes on the Prairie is produced by Crooked Sea Ranch Productions and is a Suecast Network original. So, yeah, it's been a year since I've even released anything. And um, how was your 2021, <laughs> Serena? It was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't great. It yeah. wasn't great. I'm ready to move on. Same. Mine, too. Um, so, yeah, I didn't bring you anything in 2021 because... Uh, it was that bad. <laughs> it, it was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Starting like right away in February, the year started with the bullshit. And I just, pretty much. I'm not trying to bring that sort of energy to you guys. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> See, I'd, the first part of the year was fine. The summer for me was not great. Yeah. Summer. Yeah. You know, it could have just been better. I had a pool. That was great. It was, it was like the only cool thing. I was like, so I had to, so I set up the pool. That was nice. <laughs> I don't think I went swimming once. Well, I don't think I did. It's not because I didn't invite you over because I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure, sure I, you did. Because I invited everyone over. I'm like, look at my neat pool. Like our deck, our pool, our pool deck is still sitting there in the winter. Yeah. Landscape. It just never happened. Yeah, well, well. Anyway, nice to see ya. <laughs> you too. So, so we had a bit of an update on Rachel Syriac's case. Well, do you want me just to read parts of the article because I have it up? Yeah, let's just yeah, let's just read them parts of the article because it's a huge piece. It's a huge yeah. piece written uh, by the Mitchell Republic. Who who wrote it? Trisha Terenskas. Sorry if I pronounce it the correct way, but it's a huge piece in the Mitchell Republic. Um, yeah, we'll share that link on the Facebook page too. It was um, it's just a really neat reminder, you know that you know the, that doing the podcast can help. You know things that happen, you know behind the scenes that probably no one will ever know about. You know that's kind of the only thing that's left is just to keep talking about it because there's not really a right. Right. It's been so many years. Well, that yeah. The only thing you can really do is just keep, keep bringing it up and get people talking, and especially that live in that area. Yeah, and it's obvious that that's um, kind of what happened with this little update. It seems like the DCI is honing in on Brad Syriacs finally for some reason. Yeah. So I'll let you. Uh, yeah the the headline of this article is investigators hone in on suspect in South Dakota missing persons case, and the author. Just kind of describes a lot of the stuff we talked about in the first podcast on Rachel. Some of the details that we provided you guys um, were even a little wrong, so we'll correct some of those things too. November 13th, 2013. So that was when she drove her 
for Chevy Silverado to pick up Brad Syriax because he was released from jail for a domestic incident. And again, again, that was the last time anyone, aside from Brad, seen or heard from Rachel. Um, her mom, Mary. Yep, Mary Shabbat. She was the one that reported Rachel missing because she hadn't heard from her on her birthday, and I guess that was like a yearly tradition that they always talked on on her mom's birthday. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that's when her mom knew that this wasn't just her, you know, being gone due to drugs or you know the lifestyle or whatever. Yeah, I have a I have quite a bit of the interview with with Rachel's mom that I haven't shared with everyone yet so yeah and she's the one who saw a lot of the struggles that Rachel had being with Brad Rachel had an order of protection on him at one point earlier in 2013 even um this article says that there was a laundry list of incidents um some documented some not all relating to domestic violence and Things of that nature with Rachel and Brad. I feel like, I don't know how I want to say it without, I feel like a leading cause of death for women under the age of like 50 is domestic violence. It, like when you're not talking about health. Yeah, it's crazy. Like um, the number of women that I know, most of my friends or acquaintances have had some experience with with domestic violence or abuse as children, I mean, like, it's an overwhelming number of people that I know that. Everyone will tell you, everyone who's ever had a friend or a loved one that is in an abusive relationship, the number one thing that they'll tell you is that you cannot make them leave. You're going to get real aggravated when, you know, they come to you for the second, third time, they're going to come to you and and there's going to be a time where, you know, you're going to get aggravated. You're going to put in the time, you're going to put in the effort, you know, to try to get them to a better place, a safe place. And you're going to turn around one day and they're going to be right back where they started. And it's not easy to love someone who's being abused. And that's all you can do is be there and hope to God you don't have to be there when something like this happens. But Rachel had tried for a divorce in April, and the judge wouldn't let Rachel have a divorce without hearing Brad's side of the abuse first. So we already blew 1500 bucks. so she said, oh, he can just kill me then. Then I tried to go after Brad for, you know how you have court and you don't, can't afford one, one will be appointed for you? That doesn't mean it's free. But he owes like, 10, 20,000, but can I get him to go collect on him? No, I got to know where he works, what? I know his social security number, I got that, all right? Because <laughs> I have his baby book. I got that in the divorce, I guess. <laughs> you want to go on October 31st is her birthday. She's a Halloween yep. baby. Okay, on October 31st, 2000, or 2013, I met her in the in, when I was coming home from work and she was going by my place, you know? I said, oh, what's up? And she goes, oh, another flippin' birthday. Brad beat the shit out of me, and now he's in jail. So then uh, a couple days later, we go over to Springs looking for work because she's going to leave. Yeah. 
And then the night of the, well, then she texts me back and forth all the time. You know, why Brad's away, she can, she can text and do whatever. But when he's around, she had no control of what to do. Right. And if I bought her something to eat, like at White Striving, I would buy that little <coughs> next something too. I didn't like to, but she said she'd get beat if he, she didn't deliver with him too, since I was buying. He he beat her up all a lot, and then, and uh, and before, in the su in the summer of 2013, he tried to run her over in uh, on the Alpena Road, so that would be Beetle County. Jerome. Was there a police report on no, that? No, that'd be Beetle. Oh, the Alpena Road coming from like Beetle. House Place. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that'd be Beetle County. Did she report that incident? Yeah, and then no. she had, then she hid for two weeks because she didn't want to press charges on him, and the cops wanted her to, because she had a witness because she ran to the house and the people. Yeah, just looking up some statistics about domestic violence. Like obviously, it can happen to men and women, but eighty-five uh, percent of domestic violence victims are women. And this that I'm reading this from is do something.org. So I'm sure there's a lot of different numbers out there, but half of all homeless women and children are fleeing domestic violence, um, and it's the leading cause of injury to women more than car accidents, muggings, rapes, things like that. Um, it's scary. Everyone knows that Brad is kind of the one suspect here, and the DCI admits that. Um, it's just a matter of nobody's talking. He's not talking. Yeah. I think they're still missing out on maybe some key pieces of evidence. They don't have her body. That's a problem. Well, you know, in, in the Pamela Dunn case here in South Dakota and um, out of Coddington County back in, you know, well, she she disappeared in 2001. And her ex-boyfriend is doing life for kidnapping, not for murder. So, I mean, there are ways that... You know, she had an order of protection against him, too. She had, but she had allowed him to come back to her house to get some things that, you know, he had he had been keeping there. And, you know, next thing you know, no one's ever seen her again. I spoke with her daughter, too, um, Stacy, and it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's heartbreaking, you know, to know that there's people out here who have loved ones and they have no idea where where they are these are people that wouldn't just up and leave their their life you know um you know going back to Rachel's case and not having her body you know it's been there's a precedent in the state that you know it's possible to prosecute some crimes without you know without a body maybe not murder but i think we can all you know all kind of come to the same conclusion that Rachel was taken somewhere against her will. And, I mean, if that's not kidnapping, I don't know what is. Yeah. There's some other reports, too, that I didn't even have the guts to read. Brooklyn County. Rhonda Brooklyn would read them, but I wouldn't read them. It would be Samarin County. Because she wrote one about him holding her hostage and beating her up or something, up, but I didn't read it. I just couldn't do it. And then, like, I went over to the house after she went missing, and uh, there's phones all over the place broke up. Like, you know, he's breaking them so you can 
get info out of them. But I got from the cops 400 pictures on a disc. I never looked at them, like, to this day. You've never looked at the pictures on this disc? Nope. They're going to be all of Rachel. Because they aren't going to give me of any... Yeah. Friends or any crime things. Right, right. So there's all going to be friends. Rhonda looked at it, but I have. I did. Her sister. If nothing too... It'd be just pictures of her when she had her cell phone and she did Like selfies. Yeah, or whatever. whatever, yeah. Okay. Because she was in jail. But someone did look at it and they're like, yeah, they're just... She didn't get out of jail till well, 2013, when was it? April, she had court for the divorce. April, May, June. Probably in June. It was like a race to see who could get out of jail first, her or Brad. Because she was in jail for... Misimprisonment of a felon. She let a felon hang out at her house when he was Which is Brad. Uh, well, the DCI agent wouldn't disclose all of the evidence that they have that implicates Brad. Um, but he said that they're still gathering evidence. And the ultimate goal is discovering her remains and filling in the, the final details of where, her last movements. Because no, the last person to see her was Brad. So... They, uh, this article goes on and talks about her last known movements, you know, picking up Brad, and she traveled from Woonsocket to Huron on the 13th, and that was confirmed uh, by cell phone records and incoming call from a gas station. So you were talking about when she was in jail, she failed a test, you said. Oh, and then when she, she went was, to a halfway house. So I guess I just oh, kind of... In, in, okay. I, I kind of built my own story in my okay, head real July, quick. July 7th or 8th of 2011, she had to go to jail because she pissed bad. Right. So they took her to jail. And then she went to pier. And then she went to the halfway house. Right. Okay. And at the halfway house, guess who gets to visit her? Yeah. Her husband. Yep. And so they take off, and she's like 10 days from getting out. And guess what happens? Somebody drugged her drink. And guess what he told me? That she made him do it. And so then she tested dirty, or got sick at work, and then gets all back in. And then, of course, then she has to finish out her term, the whole term. Yeah. So yeah, she had to stay two years. And then it was like a race to get out. Brad or Rachel? Which one's going to get there first? And then she'd be in Sioux Falls, and then she'd be in, I want to say, Yankton. And then Brad would be in Yankton. Then she'd go back to Sioux Falls, and then he'd be there. And then and then she moved back here in, oh, I want to say August or so, July or August. And then guess who came with her? And he told me, you know, the houses were going to be gone because of back property taxes. And he didn't want nothing to do with them. So I thought, why the hell did you move back here? And then Rachel had set up a meeting with the county commissioners for November something. It was after she went missing. And guess who went? Brad went, but guess who didn't show up? Rachel, I think Brad was scoping out to see what if they knew anything yet or not. A month after she went missing. Yeah, uh, it was like December. They finally launched an investigation yeah. into her disappearance. And this was... A month after, like, that's cold. Yeah. Cold weather. Imagine your mom, like, just doesn't show up one day. Concerned. And you go to the police and they're like, yeah, well, we got to give her 
in 24 hours at least, yeah. you know. And I mean, I would think that I would know right away if something was wrong. Absolutely I mean, you would. If your mom didn't show up for something she said she was going to be at, like, that alone, would, wouldn't would that not freak you out? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It I'm would. I, I would know immediately. And you you just know. You know the person. If you know someone well enough, you know what's suspicious and what's not. And the sad part is that, like, an overwhelming majority of the time you go to the police when there is, like... Well, and look at all the evidence that was there to start with. There had been, you know, a girl goes missing and she's got all these court documents and police reports and all this proof of domestic violence. When did you know she was missing? Like, when did I? On the 15th, because she was going to call me on the 14th. So I knew something was up and I texted her, are you and Woody? Because she was supposed to go get her paycheck. The 15th of November. November. Uh, Friday, but she never went and got her paycheck either. And then that weekend, uh, the, what well, would have been the 16th and 17th, Brad stuffed sweatshirts and sweatpants with clothes, you know, and kids' boots and stuff, you know, nobody was, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he took them out in the field north of town and ran over them. Now, why would any sane person do that? That's weird. Now, why would anybody do that? Yeah, I mean... And the neighbor seen it, too, up there in Rosemore. Two weeks later, my brother calls me and goes, Hey, have you seen Rachel? And I'm like, no, and I can't get a hold of her either. And he goes, well, Rosemores are telling me this weird shit. And I said, oh, shit. I've been over to the house, you know, and I can't find nothing. Brad had told somebody that she's with this Chris in Sioux Falls, but I can't get a hold of him, and I can't find her. I I think when we see the article that Brad is finally arrested or being questioned, yeah. that, that'll be... There is be new evidence in the article? About her uh, truck being found at the the bee farm. That's oh, yeah. new, right? Yeah. Well, it's new well, to me. Well, it's new to us. Yeah, yeah. because um, I, w- I was always told, and, you know, keep in mind, I didn't get any information from law enforcement because... They did not want to talk to me, so... You know, when they started looking for Rachel, they knew where Brad was and that he was hopping from... But I don't know why it took so long to go for the pickup, but... Hmm. And, and where where was it parked when, when they found it? Or, like, did he have it? He was I driving think so. it? Well, I don't think he's driving... I don't... They didn't tell me that part. Okay. All I know is that two hours after Brad got out of jail, her phone went off, shut off. Ain't that a weird coincidence? She picked up Brad, and he says that she dropped him off and left in her truck. Dropped him off where, though, does it say? At um, his friend's farmhouse. Oh, right. That Griffith. Yep. Travis Griffith? Brad claims that she dropped him off there on November 13th, and that was the last he saw of her. She drove away in her Chevy Silverado. And uh, that was his story, but the truck was found on that property of Travis Griffith. And he didn't really have a good explanation. No good explanation. On how that got there. And DC, I will say that too, that he's got no, he still says that she dropped him off. 
and she left. Huh, crazy. And they, that uh, Griffith, Brad and Travis Griffith, just said they were doing work on it. That's how it got there. They were doing just some some repairs. Well, yeah, because the underside of the truck was fucked up, right? Yeah, really. Considerable damage to the undercarriage and the drivetrain had been pulled out. And they claimed that they were just doing repairs on it, and that's why the drivetrain was pulled out. That's a significant repair. <laughs> and then Brad said that he'd been driving the Silverado regularly after the date that she officially went missing. Um, and no one knows how he got the the truck back from Rachel because he claims that she left in it. And then he shows up with it. And yeah. there's no there's no story of how that happened. I think we can take an educated guess on, on what happened there. Um, yeah. You know what they did to me? They called me up at 10, it was between 10 or 10.30, and told me Brad's in town, watch your stuff over at the other garage. And I thought, what the hell? The police called you and told you that? Yeah. Well, what the hell were they doing? <laughs> that they couldn't sit and watch, I mean, do their job. They knew like, he was in town, they knew, must know what they I mean, him, but I. And then, and then he goes over and writes, Fuck you, pigs. <laughs> Riverside. Yeah, I did, I did. Oh, we can't. We can't prove he did it. Nobody's seen him. And the article just kind of finishes up with uh, Brad and Rachel's relationship, and it was very tumultuous. They were married when they were young, had had a few kids that were not in their custody at the time of Rachel's disappearance. History of drug abuse. The uh, Rachel was finally wanting to get her life back, get her life back on track. Um, she was wanting to get divorced and get custody and all that, and then she disappeared. We'll make sure to put a link to that article on the Facebook page. It was a great in-depth piece by the Mitchell Republic for, you know... Yeah, there's a lot of information in that article. Yeah, um... So, yeah, kudos to them for that. And and the update is really just that they're honing in on him. So is that Brad is still the main suspect, so, you know. Main and only. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that. And I think that's pretty fair. No updates on Eugene's case, by the way. Unfortunately, we're coming up on two years that he's been missing now. 648 days you know when was the last time someone in his family the day he like, disappeared saw him okay me and my brother tim he came out with his best friend dan came out to fiber tech which is the shop i'm coming in i came in they're going to go take a wood splitter to fedora south dakota yeah drove through there and dan asked if tim had any ice tim said yeah he asked beer to have a beer to him and tim said yeah beer and i talked a bit and was that the last time you've been seen by anybody? No. No. Okay. There's a picture of them at yep. Dorn's. Dorn's Bar, him and Dan leaving. Dorn's Bar Constance. Okay. And he, he went in Dorn's Bar, too, and yep. talked to and where, people. Where's Dorn's? Forsberg. Forsberg. It's only okay. it's just one bar, one little bar, one room bar. Okay. You know, it ain't nothing big. So they left there together. Yep. 9-11, he walked in back into the shop. Pulled in his drink that he made and a bag of okay. pork rinds. 
goes, <laughs> lost your brother somewhere between Forsberg and the farm they went to. My brother laughed off, and wouldn't think nothing of it. Oh, better go find him, you know. And so you'd think the guy would go out and he sat down, and he just pork crash, drank his drink, his wife came, or one of their sons, he picked him up, and they left, and they got a call the next day at 11 o'clock, and he's still missing. Who called you? Who called you? So, so the guy that last saw him called you guys and said, I still haven't heard from him. Okay. He allegedly tried calling the cell phone that morning. No okay. answer, and it's dead now. We went out, after called, looked for a bit, stopped at the gas stations here in town and asked and see if any of the farmers had said, though, there's probably a guy walking, you know. Right. That point, I put on Facebook. Has anyone seen Beaner Hill? You know? This guy's story is is what? Here, Dan's Dorn's Dan's story is they they were both messed up pretty mm-hmm. good. But, uh, Stafford Dorn's got two yank bombs and two tall boys, I believe it was. Paul, when they got off the truck, Beaner was going to sleep because Beaner does that when he drinks. If he's had enough, he'll. Kind of pass out or whatever. Start falling asleep, but. Same. <laughs> anyway, so they left Dorns, went to the farm, family farm. This was not their destination. This was just a side. Yeah, this yeah, is on their stop. way back to dance. Okay. Dan yeah. thought he was too drunk to drive to town, so he just got same distance, halfway. Right, right. But it's off the highway. Right. It's gravel, muddy, shitty yeah. roads. We got there, said he went in the house. No, let's just go with what it is. You went into the house to smoke. Smoke weed. Yeah. Okay. And Beaner, he said Beaner stayed in the truck to sleep. Said he was in the house about 20 minutes. Come out, Beaner was gone. We just we know that he didn't just up and disappear into thin air. He's a grown man that you know didn't just one day decide to learn how to walk from from eight miles outside of town or however far it was. For him, if it was exposure, I feel like after, you know, two years, You'd think almost, that someone would have found something. There would, yeah, we would have found something, some piece of information. Yeah. And maybe just getting people talking about that will help too. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. We've learned that that does help, so, yeah, I mean... That's probably the good, the good thing to come out of 2021 is maybe some people got talking that, you know, needed to talk. So, yeah, in Deb's case, Deb's family hired a private investigator, and I don't, I don't really know, you know, I, that was sort of the end of it for me, you know. I just wanted them to get to a place, you know, where they could maybe try to get some answers from somebody in regards to Deb's case, like, I think that it was an accident. I I don't think that, first off, let's, let's just fa- face the facts. Like, nobody murdered her and then moved her to where she was found. I just find it almost impossible for that to have happened without somebody seeing something. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about, about a bunch of teenage kids. That, well, that were accused of or thought yeah. to be involved with Deb's death. There's some suspicious elements about it. But, Absolutely, but... Um, I feel like that can be anything, especially when a really young person right. dies like that. You, 
we spend a lot of time talking about the evidence that is present at crime scenes or whatever. We focus a lot on that. I think that sometimes we forget about, you know, what's not present is a really big indicator of of what may have happened to somebody. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about what wasn't present, you know, on Deb or around, well, where she was found, there was no signs of sexual assault. There was no bodily injuries. It, like Scratches yeah. or... Uh, Which, like, given the area she was found, yeah, isn't superficial, isn't uh, right. I mean, super concerning. Anyone who's you know kind of been in tall grass before knows that like you're probably not going to be walking around in tall grass in like prairie grass and like bare feet because that shit is not like that's it's sharp. It will yeah. it will cut you like it's not your lawn grass that you know is nice and green. It's I think that. The fact that nobody saw Deb, and we're talking about a, a small town. If Deb would have went somewhere with somebody, somebody would have seen that. Nobody, nobody has come forward, at least you know, not to me, to say that they saw her that night. Nobody. This is a small town. Yeah. Someone at some point would come forward and be like, "Look, I saw Deb that night." There's no way that someone would. You know, keep the secret. For why? For what? It's We're talking about random people that may have seen, you know, a group of... No. Right. Not It's not some big and conspiracy it, no, or... No. No No one really has anything to gain or lose conspiracies by... Conspiracies kind of require people to, you know, keep secrets. And let's be honest, that's not something that Edgerton is good at. Yeah. I mean... It, all it took was the hint of somebody looking around, looking into Deb's death before I started getting messages about, well, about nothing, really, about what they thought happened to Deb. And then, you know, I had the, you know, I had the privilege to get my hands on her autopsy report. And not only that, but I also had a doctor, the coroner, take the time to explain to me what it was that I was seeing and reading because I'm not a fucking forensic scientist. I don't, Right. that's not me. I don't know what, what a lot of that stuff means, but I believe that anyone who saw Deb's body after she was found would absolutely believe that she had been assaulted. That's what it looks like. It is, I believe that she had been dead for quite some time at that point. Yeah. You know, um, well, and that's what your mind just kind of automatically goes to. There must be some explanation there. A I child think, can't just accidentally yeah. die like that, but I think it, I think they that, do. I think that she unintentionally took a combination of medications that had an effect on her that she was not anticipating, and I believe that I believe that's what killed her. Is that she? You know, what what shows up as, you know, what some people might call therapeutic for a level of of a substance, I guess, in in somebody's system. You know, to me, that's kind of subjective. I know it's science and whatever, but my one beer is like your three cocktails. You know what I mean? affect everyone the same. And I believe that a combination of things that, you know, especially for a young girl... um, I, I think that just it just um, depressed her system to the point where, you know, she 
you know, just kind of fell in that precarious position. Unless someone comes forward with, like, some real concrete facts in Deb's yeah. case, that that's what I believe. I believe that, you know, when she went out the front door of the house that night, I think she went down between the two houses. So it, that would have been on the south side of her of her house. And that's why when her stepdad finally made it out, you know, outside, he didn't see her going down the sidewalk. Not because, you know, she's fast and she could have ran or, you know, been cutting through yards. I believe that she just went out the front door and cut between the houses and went down to the creek to hide her cigarettes. That, to me, that seems like a more likely explanation than, you know, she was involved in a high-level drug ring. Yeah. <laughs> this is a huge conspiracy, you know. Yeah, it just really doesn't make any sense. And, and you know, I think for so long, too, I, everyone was like, oh, you just wait. You just wait. You're going to find out. Da, da, da. And I, it, no, I didn't. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be like, oh, that's bullshit. It wasn't, you know, it was no accident. Eh. I, th- I, think it, I think it was. And, you know, what's the, take it or leave it. I'm no authority here, you know, so it's just, that's just my opinion. And, you know, every, every fact that I've been able to verify when it comes to Deb's case is just simply, it was an accident. I don't, I don't think she was ready for a reaction that she potentially suffered from mixing those medications. Yes. I was experimenting at 14, absolutely. Where did she get the meds? I believe that it's likely that that medication could have been an old prescription, you know, left laying around. I mean, that's what I think. I, cause I she could have went to a friend's house and found them in their medicine cabinet. Yeah, she, I mean, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I remember, you know, we never finished medications in, in our house. I remember moving. Every time we moved, we had all these bottles of medication. Random pill bottles. Yeah, and- so it's not too outrageous to imagine that someone with some medical issues like her stepdad could have had, like, an old prescription laying around. Um, but I don't think that, you know, these pills came from uh, drug dealers. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think that, that that's what was happening at all. <laughs> I mean, if, if it was, uh, I'd, I, I'd be pretty surprised. But, you know, no one's shown me any evidence of that anyway. So I, I'm just not. I, I really do. I think that, I think that there's going to be a lot of people that just aren't going to agree with me, and that's fine. We can agree to disagree. Right. Right. And uh, so, yeah. Like you said, unless anyone comes forward with some actual yeah, facts I mean, and, like, something concrete that you can go off of instead of just I heard or I saw or... It, nobody even said I saw. Nobody saw someone, anything. Someone said they saw. Yeah. I heard that, you know, yeah, or, I, that was the biggest thing. Like What was supposed to happen was, like, it... It's pretty much someone useless. who was like, really close to the case. Who was that? I can't tell you. I don't need that shit. Like that's not yep. that's not what I'm looking for. But I honestly, you know, I believe that the three people who were given lie detector tests passed them because they're telling the truth. I don't think they had anything to do with with what happened to Deb whatsoever. I really wish that the few friends that Deb did have, you know, had the opportunity to to grieve properly instead of you know kind of feel like they were outcast and under a microscope i hope if anyone needs to know that i believe them i i do i but 
that's just my opinion. And if, you know, like I said, I'm no authority here. It doesn't really matter what I think. But um, until there's, you know, any official news on Deb's case, that's my position. And I was supposed to be there when the private investigator came back with his findings. And, you know, with COVID and everything, it just, I couldn't. And um, so I, I'm not 100% sure where it ended with, you know, with that. I figured I, I would hear from them if they cared to share you know, where they're at now with it. But I think that it's fine if they, it, you know, if they just want to move on the best way they know how, and that's fine with me too. Cause. I hear Nala up there just <laughs> dogging around. She never brought down her toys. I think she's, cause she's kind of selfish. <laughs> Well, she like she probably. Is, she usually shows me her toys. Um, she's probably scared you're gonna take them, so she's hiding them under the bed. I never take them. I, I always just watch her show me them. I never yeah, take them. She. I don't know why she'd think that. She is crazy. <laughs> but yeah, be cool. Hey, bye. Bye. <laughs>